0: And Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus for just this opportunity today. I humble myself before you, God. And I'm just very thankful that you are so full of grace and mercy. And I thank you, Lord, that your ability to demonstrate mercy is because of your justice. And it's because you're holy. And Lord, I know that there's so many that don't understand that. But Lord, I thank you that... Mercy is expressed because there is justice. And I thank you, Father, that your grace is expressed because there's holiness. And I thank you, Lord, that you would just manifest yourself to us today. We're in desperate need of the Holy Spirit, every one of us, to be able to understand the most simple elementary truths about Jesus and his heart. Require the help of the Holy Spirit. Just to know anything about you. So I pray for your anointing this morning in our hearts and in our lives. I pray that you will comfort your people. Father, I pray that you would produce something within believers today that would last for eternity. That it would give them a confidence in their faith that would sustain joy in their life forever. And not just a momentary thing. Father, help us to fix our eyes upon Jesus and, and not upon ourself and not upon self-improvement, but just upon you and your grace, Lord. And I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to be in Hebrews chapter 1. I wanted to read this to you first, just in regards to God and the worship of God. Love is of God. And only lovers can know God. God is love. Love makes the ultimate. Most costly sacrifices. In an effort to win those who would destroy themselves. Love gives and sacrifices. So others can live. Love would die on a cross before allowing its enemies to die in their sin. God loves when he is not loved. God gives when He is not asked to give. God paid the debt when the slaves asked to be left alone. God loved us. God sent His Son to us. God made His Son the propitiation or the atonement for our sins. You have declared your unchanging love for us in Christ Jesus. If nothing in us can win your love, Nothing in the universe can prevent you from loving us. Your unchanging love for us. Is in Christ Jesus. Your love is uncaused and undeserved. You are yourself the reason for love. Love cast out fear. And our troubled hearts are given peace. Because God is self-existent. His love had no beginning. Because he is eternal. His love can have no end. Because he is infinite. His love has no limit. Because he is holy. His love is the epitome. Of all spotless purity. Because he is immense. His love is incomprehensibly vast. Bottomless. A shoreless sea. Before which we kneel in joyful silence. And from which the loftiest eloquence. Retreats confused and abashed. Love wills the good of all. And never wills harm or evil to any. And God is love. It is wonderful. For only God is love. God loves us with an unconditional love. As we come into this this morning. um, The title of this message is make Jesus happy. And I want to encourage all of you this morning. To make Jesus happy. And I think that when you come with me through this message. I think you will be glad. That you have the opportunity to make Jesus happy. In Hebrews chapter 1. This is speaking about Jesus and his glory. It's talking about his ministry. And the book of Hebrews goes on. To really set forth the high priest ministry of Jesus. And how Jesus is better than anything and everything. Jesus is it. He's everything. It's it's, it's just all hope and life is in him. But it says here in Hebrews chapter 1, and I'm going to begin in verse 8. But unto the Son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore, God, even your God has anointed you with the oil of gladness above your fellows. And it doesn't mean that others were not anointed with gladness. They certainly were. But nobody was anointed with the oil of gladness to the measure that Jesus was. And it's an understanding that I believe we as Christians need to have about our Savior and our Lord and our Redeemer, that he is anointed with gladness. And we have a glad king. We have a joyful God. We do not have a God with a chip on his shoulder. We do not have a God who is just full of wrath and full of anger. That so many people have gone wrong and into sin. But we have a God that is glad. And he is anointed with gladness. The Father has anointed Jesus with gladness. And according to Acts chapter 10. We know that it is the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit that has anointed Jesus And so the whole trinity of God is a God that is glad, a God that is joyful because God knows the end and God is all powerful and he is able to bring everything to the conclusion that he wants it to be. And he's going to do that regardless of how people may lay charges against God in our, in our day-to-day, in our modern culture. People love to bring mockery against the Lord and, and you know, just try to shame God if he was a God of love or if he was good or whatever. And, you know, then God would do this and that. But God is God. And all men are going to know that one day. And everybody in heaven, everybody on earth, and everybody in hell is going to confess To the glory of God that Jesus Christ is Lord. So at the end of this, guys, God is right. God wins. And every living thing in the universe knows it. And they confess that to him. So Jesus is anointed with the oil of gladness. But I was just reading that in verse 9 and just thinking about how he was anointed with the oil of gladness. I What does that mean? What does it mean that Jesus was anointed with the oil of gladness? What is this gladness that he was anointed with and why is it there? What is this message I think that God is wanting us to to learn? And I'm sure you know this, alright? So this is probably just going to be affirmation to you or confirmation on things that you already know. But honestly, it just struck me as a personal revelation of how good God is. And what an incredible Savior Jesus Christ really is. And so I just pray to affirm that to you. Perhaps you're here this morning. This might be, you know, just an insight for your own life. And I, and if it is, rejoice with me and be happy and glad about this. Because I believe you're going to be delighted to make Jesus happy in this regard. The word gladness means this. It means extreme joy. And gladness. So think about that. Jesus was anointed with the oil of extreme joy and gladness. Um, this word gladness means the feeling of joy. It's a feeling. Jesus experienced the emotion of joy. And it also means delighted or untempered happiness. Imagine that, untempered happiness. Is what Jesus was anointed with. So Jesus is anointed with extreme joy. He is anointed with the emotions of gladness and happiness and so forth. Why? Why is he anointed with this? What is it about that anointing? And the Bible tells us why he is. It's in verse 9. It's the first part. You have loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore God, even your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness above your fellows. Now that might sound strange, but this is kind of where the personal revelation for me came in. That God anointed Jesus with the oil of gladness because he loved righteousness and he hated iniquity. And so he's anointed for something that's going to make him glad. And I think that this is really, to me, very powerful. So the definition of anointing, that's what we need to know now. And the definition of anointing here in Hebrews chapter 1, it means consecrating Jesus to the office of Messiah. That's what the anointing means there. So you have consecrated Jesus to the office of Messiah Causing him to be exceedingly glad with the feelings and emotion of joy and untempered happiness. Jesus has assumed the role of Messiah with unlimited joy and gladness. Why? Because he loves righteousness and he hates iniquity. Well, what does that mean? If, I mean, if, if every person in the world is a sinner, and every person that has ever lived that was created in the image of God is unrighteous, and Jesus hates that, and he is the only human being who ever lived a sinless and perfect life, and he is the only person that has ever lived out of all humans that alone is righteous, why does he have this untempered joy and happiness and gladness that he is anointed with? And it's really simple, it's this, that Jesus has been consecrated to the office of the Messiah, and the joy of Jesus Christ is not that he has the ability to punish the unrighteous, But Jesus Christ has the anointing to take their sins away. And to make those who are unrighteous, righteous. And that makes him exceedingly glad. Isn't that wonderful? I mean, that is just so wonderful. Of Jesus Christ. He has the ability to transform you and I. From sinners and full of iniquity. and an unrighteous state. All of that removed. And he has the ability to make all of us righteous. And it thrills him to be able to do that. And so I say that to you. And I'll probably say it a few times today. But if you want to make Jesus happy. Give him your sin. Give him your iniquity. Just just, just dump it on him. Because he loves to take it. And he loves to remove it. As a matter of fact. It's Hebrews that will tell us later on. That for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. The joy that was set before him. This ties us back to chapter 1 about the gladness, which also means joy. And so the joy that was set before Jesus Christ in enduring the shame and the reproach and the agony of the cross was that through him, he would be able to bring many sons and daughters into glory that he would be able to remove iniquity from a lot of people and he would be able to give them righteousness so that they could actually live forever and ever as the sons and daughters of God and live in the presence of the Lord. Now... We know that this is the joy that was set before Jesus in going through the cross because of Isaiah 53. And it says that it pleased the father to bruise him. Because the father was able to see beyond the event of the cross. The numbers of people that would be redeemed. Because God's righteous servant would suffer death. And God's righteous servant would bear the iniquity. And the wounds of the sickness of his people and God would be able to justify them. And furthermore we know according to Luke chapter 4 that the very anointing that Jesus Christ professes himself to be upon his life was according to Isaiah the spirit of the Lord is upon me. For he has anointed me, he has consecrated me, he has enabled me, he has positioned me. To preach the gospel to the poor. To bind up the brokenhearted, To set at liberty those that are bruised. To help those that are in captivity to be set free. For those that have been outcast. To go to them and declare to them that this is the day that the Father in heaven accepts and receives you. To preach good news and glad tidings to all people. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of him that brings good news. That's Jesus Christ that's Jesus Christ and he was so glad to bring it he was so delighted to bring it to us and so that is the anointing of gladness on Jesus not my ability to judge you and condemn you that's why I know this word was from the Holy Ghost today not my ability to judge you and condemn you makes me happy But my ability to receive you and save you and make you righteous makes me happy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, give the Lord praise for that. (laughs) Praise God. And so Jesus is exceedingly happy. He is, listen, I know sometimes it's hard for you to picture God like this because religious people don't like emotions, but saved people do. Because our God is very expressive. And our God is very intimate. And our God is a delightful God. And so Jesus is. Unhindered. In his desire. To express his happiness. And his joy. And his gladness. Every single time. He gets to demonstrate. His grace. And his mercy. By pardoning. Forgiving and healing the unrighteous. Every single time. He gets to demonstrate his grace and his mercy. It makes him happy. And the devil doesn't want you to know that. The devil wants you to believe. That he's upset with you. And the devil wants you to think that God. Is upset with you and tired of you and frustrated with you. Every single time you live in your failure and your sin. And and let's say Jesus doesn't love that. And he certainly doesn't want it because he hates unrighteousness. But every time he gets to show his grace and his mercy. He is exceedingly glad. He is happy. He is emotionally affected every time. And I'm going to point to some scriptural illustrations of how that is actually true every time he gets to do it. You see, people that come to church and worship God and fall before God and lift their hands and dance. Most of the people that do that are the people that are aware of how sinful and how awful they are. People that you might see in the front of the church would say of themselves, We are the worst in here, and we're desperate to make Jesus happy because we need forgiveness and we need pardon. And we need grace and we need mercy. And, and that's why we come before His presence with, with shouts and, and declarations of praise and worship and singing songs and lifting our hands because we're desperate for, religious people are not desperate for God. They just do the duty, go home, get your lunch, have a nice Mother's Day, and and be done with it. But no, no, for people that are just so so, just fasting for God and desperate for God, it's just like I, I've got to have Him. I, I've just got to have Him in my life, and and it gives Jesus great joy and and gladness to do it because why? Because Jesus hates iniquity. He hates it, and every time he gets to free you from it or free a sinner from it, it gives him great joy. He doesn't hate the unrighteous. He hates unrighteousness, but he doesn't hate the unrighteous. He loves them. He hates the iniquity and his joy is his anointing to remove the sin. And so the very thing that this teaches us is the very thing that Satan doesn't want us to know that Jesus actually finds delight in forgiving you. He actually finds happiness in putting your sin away. He actually derives great emotional joy. By being able to serve in his priestly office as Messiah. To wash you with his blood. And make you clean. He loves it. And so I ask of you with all of my heart. To go further into the cross. Than maybe you do. Because if you're going to the cross. As a means of God demonstrating. His love for man. And his anger against sin. And there the justice and the mercy of God. Kiss each other. So that God could deal with the sin of this world. And God would have the ability to usher in His glory into earth one day, and also through that save people, then you're missing such an important part of it. Because the cross is the ability where God can express to us who He is. The cross is not what He did, it was the expression of who He is, it was the expression of His love. It was the expression of his compassion for you. It was the expression of his desperate heart. That not one of you would perish. But every one of you would have everlasting life. It was the means of God showing that. And expressing it. And he wants to do that today to every single one of us. And the cross and God's grace was the means of God doing in Ephesians chapter 2. Which is where I want you to turn with me. In Ephesians chapter 2. The Bible says this, and, and this is the means by which you could do it. Let me, let, while you're turning there, let me ask you a question. When did you ever see Jesus angry for having to forgive a sinner? What, what chapter is that? What, what verse is that? Every single time Jesus had the opportunity to forgive someone, he did it with delight and joy. Would to God we acted that way. But this is not all, because the grace of God and the mercy of God extends into eternity. The justice of God is satisfied, praise the Lord. The wrath of God is quenched, praise the Lord, through the blood of Jesus Christ. But the grace of God and the mercy of God is just getting going. It's going to stretch throughout all of eternity. And it says this in Ephesians chapter 2. And I'm going to begin in verse 4. It says, God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, he's quickened us together with Christ. By grace you are saved, and has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. This is what God has done. And I love some of these words. He has, he did. He made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Why? What is the purpose? What is this eternity going to look like with God? And just, just a glimpse of it that in the ages to come, and I pray that you will desire to experience this. I pray that this will be your eternal experience. That in the ages to come, God might show the exceeding riches of His grace in His kindness. Toward us through Christ Jesus. The thing that has made God. Insatiably joyful and happy. Was his ability to love us as sinners. And make us righteous. And the eternal joy that God is going to have. Is that forever throughout all of eternity. He is going to be able to demonstrate. Upon you. This is incredible. The exceeding riches of his grace. And his kindness to us through Jesus Christ. I mean you throughout eternity are the focus of his love. And if God could demonstrate to sinners on earth. The proof of his love by giving his one and only son in an agonizing death for us. And those of us who have experienced that salvation of that son. And we have been born again. Imagine what we've tasted. And imagine what we are going to be lavished in. Through all of eternity. As God is demonstrating the vastness of his grace. To us through Christ forever and ever and ever. For by grace you are saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. Wherefore, remember that you being in time past Gentiles in the flesh were called uncircumcised by that, by the Jews who were circumcised in the flesh made by hands. We have now who were aliens and without God and without covenant promise. Now in Jesus, we have been brought near to God. Brought near to him. So I just want to say this to you and and I I want you to really understand this. But when Jesus. And I I want to talk to you as a Christian. Because I, I believe probably a lot of you in this room. Who are very good at self-condemnation. Would understand this for a lost person. But I want to speak to believers in this room. That when Jesus Christ. Sees one of you. Who has dirtied themselves. Through iniquity and sin. Turn to him. the emotions in his heart begin to erupt with joy. And while you're turning, he's running. Because this makes him glad. Not that you sinned, but he's your answer. Even as a believer... He's your answer. Because as a believer, if you've sinned and all of you know that you have before, what do you do? You know, you've got to come to Jesus who's faithful and just. If we confess our sins to cleanse us from our sins and all unrighteousness. He's faithful and just to be able to do that. And so you see pictures of this. You really do. You see pictures of this in the Bible. I'll just give you two one that may not be as familiar, but you'll know it. And the other one that's probably very familiar to you. One illustration is this. Jesus is passing through a particular town. There are thousands of people that are lined the streets to see Jesus. And everybody wants to be near him. He is known for his supernatural miracles. He's known for his kindness and his mercy. He's helped so many people. He's received people. He's healed people. And then Jesus is passing through this town. And he notices in the tree a tax collector who knew that he would not have the ability to see Jesus unless he got away from the people, and so he climbs up in the tree so he would have a good view of Jesus Christ. Now, Jesus, being God and knowing all things, knows how vile and corrupt this man is. He is a thief. He is vile. He is ungodly. And Jesus, walking through that town, knowing all things, and his heart being stirred looks up into that tree to Zacchaeus. And he said, Zacchaeus, come down. I'm going to your house today. Why are you going to Zacchaeus' house today? Because today is going to make me glad. Because a sinner is going to become a saint. And salvation is coming to Zacchaeus' house today. Jesus knew that and went home with him. He went home with a sinner. Another story that you're very familiar with is the story of the prodigal son. The story of the prodigal son is the fact that he is a son. He he wasn't a stranger. He had actually taken the possessions that his father had given him. And he left the father's house. And he went, if you will, in a backslidden state. He went away from his father and he went into a foreign land... And he used all of his money and he used all of his wealth on whatever it is that he wanted to do. So wine, women and song. And he used everything up and then a famine strikes the land. And he's feeding pigs and he's got a miserable life. And there is no way out for him and he's got no money. But he comes to himself and he remembers that my father's a good man. And I, I don't deserve to be his son anymore. But maybe I could go home. My father will make me a servant. And when that boy turned, because to me the story is not the prodigal son, it's the father. And when that boy turned to go home, who's running to meet him? Jesus is trying to tell us something about his father. And the father was running to meet the undeserving, unworthy, sinful son. And he's running out to meet him. And so I say that to you, listen to me carefully. I say that to you this morning. Not to the lost, not to unbelievers, not to heathens, but to the to the family of God, to Christians, men and women, who have been born of God, but find themselves struggling with sin, struggling with iniquity. You sense your own unrighteousness in your life. When you turn to Jesus with it, His emotions are raptured with joy to help you. He's not... He's not frustrated with you. He's not tired of you. He, not, he doesn't say, you did that one too many times. It's enough. But every time you turn to him with his joy and his gladness, he gets to take away your iniquity because he hates it. And he gets to give you righteousness because he loves it. So who wouldn't make Jesus happy today? Who wouldn't do that? Some of you won't, but you could. Some of you will leave with your condemnation. Some of you will leave with your sins. Some of you will leave with your iniquity. And the devil would want you to think that God's sick of you, God's tired of you, God's frustrated with you, God's had it with you, God's done with you. That's what the devil wants you to know. But you know what Jesus is tired of? Jesus is tired of you trying to get rid of your sins yourself. That's what he's tired of. Jesus is tired of you and I trying to do it, trying to get rid of it and come back to him in a more presentable fashion. When Jesus says, what really makes me happy is when you come to me smelling like the pigs. So that I can take all of that filth off of you and I can give you the robes you need to wear. And the shoes you need to walk in and the ring that you need to have upon your finger. I want to do that for you. So today I come to the struggling Christian. I come to the Christian who is wrestling with sin. I come to the Christian who has experienced one failure after the other. I come to the Christian who is tired and weary. In the throes of despair because yourself and the devil... Have been having most of the conversation. I come to you on behalf. Of the Messiah. And I tell you with all authority. That he is still anointed. With the oil of gladness. And he still hates iniquity. And loves righteousness. And he loves his office as Messiah. And he loves to fulfill it. And he loves to perform it. And I come to you. Give up on yourself. I don't blame you. That would be the best thing you ever did. Give up on yourself. The sooner you learn that. The better. The sooner that you stop trying to make yourself. Holy enough for God. And realize that the Holy Ghost. Is the only one that can make you holy. The better for you. So give up on yourself. Lose confidence in yourself. Oh, I'm going to that altar and I'm going to make these vows to God and I'm going to struggle. Okay. Yes, you are. But don't throw your confidence in the Messiah away. You cannot perfect yourself and you will not perfect yourself. But don't throw your confidence away because he can and he will if you keep coming to him. And don't throw that away. And i offer you that hope to God. Because I can tell you one person who's praying for you that never stopped. And that is Jesus Christ. Jesus even knew Peter was going to go into sin and denial. He knew he was. And Jesus said to Peter, even before it ever happened, I'm praying for you. Beloved, there's nothing that happened in your life that surprised Jesus. He knew it. And what gives him joy is when you turn back to him with it. And ask him, will you forgive me? Will you restore me? And with all of his joy, he will do it. So I say this to the backslider, just two scriptures. And I love this. I know I've shared this before in church, but I love this. I say this to you, to the backsliders, and I don't really understand the word. It's not a common word in the Bible, but it's a common word you hear a lot of Christians talk about. I'm a backslider or or whatever that is. But you're just not walking the walk that you know God wants you to walk. You're not living the life you know God wants you to live. And maybe there's secret sin going on in your life. And there's just defeat in your life. And there's immorality in your life. Or there's corruption in your life. And you're supposed to be a Christian. And though nobody knows it, you're able to put on a good air about you. That everything is well with you. And God, you know that it's not. And you might be wondering, I'm fooling a lot of Christians, but I know I'm not fooling God. And Pastor Lee, what is God saying to me in the state that I'm in? I'm glad you asked. Because according to Jeremiah, God says, tell the backslider, I'm married to you. Praise God. I'm married to you. Go tell them that, Pastor Lee. Tell them I'm married to them. I didn't annul this marriage. Because they sinned. Well Lord when I tell them that. You know that they're going to begin to come with all of these vows and these promises and everything, God. They're going to want to clean their life up and they're going to want to look good. And they're going to want to wash off all the dirt so that they're presentable to you because they do love you and they respect you. And they know that you're holy and they're going to try to get all these things right. Well, then tell them this for me. Tell them to bring me the filth and the stench and the smell. Turn to me with words. God, what will I tell them to say? Tell them to say this. This is in Hosea. Return to the Lord your God, for you have fallen by your iniquity. Take with you words and turn to the Lord. Say this. Take away my iniquity. Receive me graciously. And I will not again say to the work of my hands that these are my God's. Father, in you, the fatherless, find mercy. Heal my backsliding. Love me freely. Turn your anger away from me. That's what you say. So how many of you Christian born-again saints who are aware in your own life of your unsanctified state Turn to the Lord with these words. Be merciful to me, God. Be gracious to me. And Lord, because we're in the new covenant now, we're not in Hosea. Thank you that you have turned your anger away from me. And you have received me graciously. So I want you to stand with me. And I just want to encourage you. I want to encourage you this. Just. I want to invite you, you know, people. Oh, if I go to the altar, everybody's going to think I'm a sinner. Well, me and Josh are the first ones. Come on. We're the first ones. I'm here with you, brother. Andrew's here with you. Praise God. Making Jesus glad, huh? Isn't that good? Making Jesus glad. Just coming to him with my iniquity and my sin. Every one of you can because every one of you has got something. Every one of you has got something. Okay, listen to this while we're praying and coming into this altar. Listen to this. This is so good. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless the Lord who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our sins from us. And you may wonder, what is God in his disposition to me today? You know it's joy, but even this psalm says, The Father pities you as a father pities his children. The Lord pities those that fear him. He knows our frame and he remembers that we are dust. That was David in the Psalms. Jeremiah, the great prophet said this, This I recall to my mind, therefore have I hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. Because his compassions fail not. Beloved, God has compassion upon you this morning. His compassions are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness, not yours. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I hope in him. The Lord is good to those that wait for him. Get in this altar and wait for him. He is good to the soul that seeks him. Seek him today. It is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. Beloved, Jesus redeems. Jesus wins. Jesus cleanses. Jesus clothes people because of his mercy. There's anything that you're facing this morning. There's any problem without, any enemy you're up against, any sin within. And it's all so impossible for you to manage. It's like the peace in your life has been just disturbed by a hurricane of distraction. You're baffled. Something has outwitted you, something appears that it's winning and it's not God don't despair our Lord commands the most difficult things the most unruly things are brought under his peace and nothing gives Jesus Christ more joy and gladness than when the weak and the broken and the needy turn to him alone for help he joyfully will help you.